Chet Ridgeway is the Advanced Technology Manager at Horner Automation, a global US-based manufacturer of programmable logical controller, PLC type products. Chet has been in the automation industry for more than three and a half decades and within which more than three decades at Horner. Chet spent a majority of his time at Horner as product manager, but has now found his place as online Horner ambassador, helping educate and train automation users and promote Horner products. Let's talk to him about automation in this episode. And in fact, I'm also very passionate about automation because a part of my day job involves simplifying and streamlining the processes and wherever possible, we try to automate the processes by using simple tools like macros. And in some cases, we go beyond macros and leverage some of the tools like robotic process automation and so on. But this is one of the uh, favorite topics and it is very dear to me. So folks, this is the Guiding Voice podcast series, the Guiding Voice for a Better Future. I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow professional on a mission to make the world a better place to live. And through the Guiding Voice, we drive conversations that matter, conversations that add value to your life and to your career. Thank you so much for tuning in and check hearty welcome to the guiding voice super thrilled to have you here as a guest on my show well i'm thrilled to be here i really appreciate your podcast and i'm looking forward to joining you for it today awesome so check without further ado let's uh, get started and uh, uh, let me find the first question can you share the top three things that i've attributed to your success so far and uh, one thing which actually caught my attention is you have spent three decades with the current organization right and which is sure <laughs> which is one of the rarest things of course during my stint with general electric i have seen many of my uh, colleagues who joined as an intern and retired with the same organization and likewise there are very few instances wherein people stay such long right so yeah i'm curious right. to understand your uh, success uh, attributes as well Absolutely. So I, I guess what's contributed to my success, I guess if we're going to talk about three things, first of all, I think I found a position that was suited to my talents. You know, we've mm-hmm. all got God-given talents. And, you know, for me, I, you know, interested in technology, but I'm also a people person. So I like to communicate. And, you know, I was able to find a position which kind of matched my skill set. You know, that was an important part of it. Secondly, I found a position or a company to work for that really offered me the opportunity to kind of grow with them. So to grow in my career as the company grows. So that's the main reason why I've been at Horner for 30 years is, you know, when I started Horner, there was just a few people in the automation group and uh, we just sold, we just had a couple million dollars in sales, very small. And we've grown by 20 times that since I started. And, Mm. And over the course of that time, I went from, you know, picking up the phones and being the tech support guy mm-hmm. to writing manuals to being the product manager, which I did for a majority of my career, like my bio said. Yep. And then um, at this point in my career, now I'm spending a lot of my time online, you know, helping automation users and, and Horner yeah. customers and promoting our products. Yeah. So that's been great. So I really found the right position mm-hmm. in my career to help me grow. Yeah. And then if there was a third thing, and this is something we can't overlook, is I have a support system, you know, we, we, through the course of our lives, right. We have crises that are going to come up. 
you know, whether they're personal crises or whether they're career crises or whatever the case may be. So we all have to have a support system to help us get through that. And in my case, you know, my, I have a family and a support system that has not only support supported me day to day so I could travel the world and, and in my career as a product manager. Um, and they supported me in that. But also, you know, when I had tough times in my life for a variety of reasons, like we all do, I had the support system to help me mm-hmm. get through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many times we ignore uh, the support system. We take them for granted. And uh, it's good to see leaders like you are acknowledging the fact that we are here because of our support system. Without them, I, right. I think we cannot move forward at all, <laughs> exactly. honestly speaking. All right. Now, uh, let's move to my next question, which I'm really curious about is, why did you get into this automation and what enthused you to choose this field? Sure. So when I was a young student, right, I was mm-hmm. good at math and science. And at that time, they were telling everybody who was good at math and science, you need to be an engineer and specifically an electrical engineer. Now, you know, my personal interests, I like, elect- you know, I had a Walkman, you know, we're talking a long time ago. So I had a Walkman and a stereo and I thought, oh, maybe I'll go design stereo systems or something that requires electronic or electrical engineering. So uh, that's where I decided, that's how I got interested in electrical engineering. And then when I picked a, com- uh, picked a college, the college I picked only would allow you to go there to get your degree if you had a company sponsor you. So for your whole five years, it was a five-year program, for your whole five years, you would go to school for a semester in engineering, and then you would go to work for a semester to kind of apply what you learned. Mm-hmm. So that's... That, and there weren't any stereo systems at the automotive plant that sponsored me. So I quickly moved away from that thought and then just kind of decided to learn what I could learn at the factory. Now, I worked yeah. on a lot of things in the, over the five years in that factory um, as I was trying to apply my engineering learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, not one second did I work on automation. <laughs> That's the irony of it. There's plenty of automation in the plant, but I didn't work on any of it. So, um, but what happened at the, what I, one of the things I learned at that plant was Mm -hmm. I didn't want to work full-time in a plant in a very focused, you know, dystopian type environment. I want, I wanted to utilize my technology that I'd learned, but also in an environment where, you know, I would have a little more variety, if you will. So I turned down an opportunity to be like a maintenance supervisor in the electrical engineering group. Mm -hmm. And instead... I I had an opportunity to interview with the automation company that supplied the automation to our plant. Hmm. And they didn't realize I didn't work for one second on their automation until they interviewed <laughs> me. But for whatever reason, they thought I would be a good fit and they were desperate for application engineers. So they trained me up and that was my first job in automation. Mm-hmm. And that's really, I kind of got started in automation by accident more than hmm. anything else. That's That's hmm. what got me started. Um, but when I got to Horner, that's when my love for automation kind of really expanded. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now uh, talking about uh, your experience and journey with Horner, right, how how it has been? Like you said, uh, it's been mm-hmm. uh, near a uh, little over three decades and uh, right. you might have taken a lot of roles and you said you started with automation and then in between product management and now focusing on this online branding and evangelizing about automation. So I'm, I'm really curious to understand mm-hmm. the journey and what kind of roles did you take? And uh, did, did the transition auto happen automatically there or did you plan for the transition? Okay, maybe <laughs> every every three years, I want to be here to the next level. Sure. What, what has been your uh, thought process there? 
Well, let me give you an example of how things started, for instance. So first yeah. of all, the reason I joined Horner was because mm. um, when I was you know, working for the automation company out of college, um, after a, a few years of that, I got to a point in my life where I wanted to get married and my wife and I, or my wife-to-be, and I lived in different cities. So one of mm. us was going to have to move. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for automation opportunities in her city. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed at Horner, which at that time was a very small automation company in Indianapolis. And they were looking for an application engineer to help them sell off-the-shelf GE PLCs. Yeah, they, mm -hmm. they did some manufacturing of their own products that were in the automation area, but they were looking for help selling GE PLCs. That's what they hired me for as a GE PLC application engineer. Mm. Well, from the time they hired me to the time I started, that position was eliminated yeah. because GE decided they wanted Horner to go full time to developing products and yeah. not sell their products anymore. So mm. my job was eliminated before I even started. So it was not planned. That's yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. Um but when I started, they basically said, well, you know, you, the job we hired you for is technically not there anymore, but we still need application engineers. We still need you to uh, help our customers. So when the phone rings, pick up the phone and see what you can do. So mm -hmm. I started out in tech support, supporting Horner customers. Um, and then as we slowly started to grow mm -hmm. um, and we needed, I went from tech support to writing manuals for the products that we were developing. And the first big jump really, as we really started to grow was when I first got into product management, because in product management, you are, you're steering the direction of the products you think that need to be manufactured or designed. Um, you're, you're kind of helping with the specification of those products. And the other part that was key for me is it also involves getting out in front of customers and distributors and you know telling them about the products and promoting the products and learning from them what they need in their products. So that's where I had the opportunity to get in front of the public, you know, mm -hmm. in the terms of individual people and organizations and utilize my people skills and really feed off of that. So I got the technology part of it, which I was I loved, but I also got the interaction with people and the opportunity to present and those sorts of things. So for me personally, that made a big difference. And then over the course of the years, it was not planned, as I mentioned. Um, you know, I never said, hey, th at this time period, I want to do this or this time period, I want to do that. It really came down to the need of the company, because as we were growing, I was one of the key people that was helping facilitate that growth. But as the company needs changed, uh, sometimes they would move me to a different position. So most of my time, I was the product manager. But for a period of time, I was a regional manager selling our products mm -hmm. in the field. And that was very valuable to learn about to spend more and more time in front of customers. And then uh, for other parts of my time, I worked inside the company where I was, you know, uh, helping with manage the operations, which I didn't really like, but the company needed me for that period of time. And I did it, but then they, but then I was able to, after a couple of years to get moved back to a more suitable position um, because the company was in a better spot. So anyway, over the years, things have changed. And now we have a new kind of, newer, at least, younger generation of engineers and product managers that are helping steer our growth for the future, which I love. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to kind of utilize my experience to really help automation users uh, apply automation products in general. And of course, mm -hmm. Warner products in specific um, through some of the online type uh, YouTube videos that we do and YouTube live streams that we do for mostly education related and, and training related. Mm -hmm. 
So can you can you also share a couple of uh, application cases for automation? What kind of uh, product portfolio that you have at Honor Automation, and how are you guys helping clients? Sure, sure. So we've we manufacture again what what you mentioned in the opening uh, a product the called PLCs. a programmable logic controller, at least a yeah. variation of a programmable logic controller. And what that really is is it's kind of the heart or the brains of machine control. Mm. Okay, so yeah. it's what's used to determine kind of the sequencing of of the operations when you're manufacturing something or controlling something. That's what that component does. Now, that component is so general purpose. When it leaves our factory, it really doesn't do anything on its own. You have to program it to do its thing, right? Um, and we've had applications in all kinds of different industries. Now, when, when people think about automation, they always immediately in their brain, when they're talking factory automation, at least, they think about you know, an automotive plant where you've got an assembly line and you got robots and you got sparks flying as they're welding the body panels together and those sorts of things. And we've had applications like that for sure. But a couple of applications I want to mention are ones you wouldn't really think about. So one is like when you go to the grocery store to buy some fruit, you know, buy some bananas. In the case of where we live in the United States, there's no bananas anywhere close being raised in, in Indiana. That's for sure. I can tell you in the Midwest, those all come from overseas. Well, how do they get from overseas to my grocery store in a condition where they're not already spoiled? Well, okay. there's automation behind that. So we have a customer, a longtime customer, who's used our products to control uh, fruit ripening rooms, whether they're in containers on ships or whether they're in warehouses once the you know bananas have been delivered to a warehouse. Mm -hmm. And by controlling the temperature and the gases, you know, oxygen and CO2 and ethylene, which is kind of the magic ripening uh, gas, if you will, by yeah. controlling the environment around the fruit, they can control its ripening to the mm -hmm. point where when it gets to the grocery store, it's ready to finish the process of ripening, you know, in your home. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's all automation. Mm -hmm. um, another one I want to mention that you may not think about is um, I'm, I'm a sports fan. Like a lot of Americans are American football is the sport I really like to follow. I um, mean, yeah. when my kids were young, I would coach them in, you know, whatever sports they were interested in. Well, a lot there's a lot of sports fields around and we have a customer uh, that automates sport, sports fields for a big municipality. Uh, mm. How do you mean automating? So what they do is, you know, they've got all kinds of, so of, of football fields or soccer fields, as we call it here, uh, baseball fields, softball fields, tennis courts, all kinds of facilities that are lit and so they have lighting that needs to be controlled and they also need to have access control mm -hmm. so that, you know, that they're locked when they need to be locked and open when people need to be available. So what our customer does is they've set up an online system uh, through a you know back end uh, website that allows sports teams to schedule time at specific facilities for practices and things. Mm -hmm. um, and then they can pay, you know, for that access. And then it provides them with the access code. So they, when they get to the facility, they can type in in our product, uh, you know, their access code that they've been given. The doors will unlock. They can go in. The lights will turn on if it's a yeah. if that's appropriate for the time of day. They can have their practice. When they leave, the lights turn off. The gates, you know, the gates are locked again. And then they've automatically gotten a bill for the access to the fields. And the municipality doesn't have the headache of scheduling the sports teams and billing the sports teams and all those sorts of things. It just happens kind of through this automation. Yeah, it saves uh, tons of time, not just time, but electricity and all other resources as well. That's the beauty of automation. Of course, you my bet. automation journey has been mostly on the business side, especially in the IT-related processes. 
Like if you're right. dealing with some data and data has to be downloaded from one source and again uploaded to some another source, right? We have automated that process by eliminating the manual intervention. So yours is more on the um, elect- electronics side of right. it, so which is quite uh, right. interesting. And uh, yeah, so so check overall you have over three and a half uh, decades of uh, experience, right? So this brings mm-hmm. uh, uh, to me to the next question talk by looking at your experience, right? How the mm-hmm. technology has evolved in the last three and a half decades? Can you uh, provide a brief sure. summary of uh, technology evolution? Yeah, a- absolutely. So when I started, a device like ours um, mm-hmm. would be maybe half a meter wide and a third of a meter tall and a third of a meter deep. So very large, right? Yeah. Yeah. And our current product, which has a lot more power than that product had 35 yeah. years ago, is basically... 10 centimeters by 10, uh, 100 centimeters by 100 centimeter, no, 10 centimeters by uh, a cube, right? Mm-hmm. So a tenth of a meter as a cube, really yeah. small, a mm. lot more capability, a lot more power. So just, you know, more power in a smaller package is one way it's evolved. The other way is the user interfaces are much more sophisticated. So machine control, when I started, it was push buttons and analog meters and those sorts of things. Uh, that's how you monitored and controlled a machine. Today, it's pretty much all done from a touchscreen locally, right? Um, yeah. Just like with your phone, it's done with you know pushing soft buttons on the screen, looking at graphs on the screen. Everything is done from a touchscreen. So that's a big, big change. Mm. And then finally, and this is ultimately going to get to where you're working. Yeah. And right now, the other, the third big thing is machine connectivity. So that's where you know, machines are no longer an island on their own where they're yeah. doing a job to automate a process and they're not connected to anything. Machines are now connected not only in a factory, but in a lot of cases, they're connected even to the internet. And so there's a lot more access to machines as data sources than there were when I started, for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, Internet of Things is uh, might, might have had a lot of impact on everything that you guys have been doing. Yes. Right. So, and uh, yeah, this also... Uh, brings me a few memories related to my work experience with General Electric. I, I spent about 11 years there. Uh-huh. And um, at, during my stint there, GE developed this uh, Predix platform, uh, which is kind of operating yes. system uh, for the uh, Internet of Things. Right? It is a pass- yeah, I'm familiar with Predix. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Predix. Right, right, right. So I, I think there is a lot of room okay, with this Internet of Things and it is going to further simplify things and it will... Uh, in a way, it will actually save a lot of natural resources, in my opinion. Right? So, great. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I, I can give you an example of that. Yeah, like, sure. You, please. you talk about the you mm. talk about the industrial Internet of Things. Right. So, you know, we, again, we all think of these traditional automotive plants and all that, and of mm. course, we figure they're all data connected and those sorts yeah. of things. But think of but think of something like a pizza oven, right? I mean, we all like food and so we at some point we have we wa- get food prepared and go to restaurants but yeah. think of a pizza oven you know the main job of a pizza oven is to heat the oven to the proper temperature to cook right. the pizza and is always always a conveyor to move the pizza across through the oven as it cooks right right yeah well now you know so imagine a pizza oven that isn't just standalone but a pizza mm. oven that's connected Mm. where you're monitoring the temperature all the time, you're monitoring how much energy is being used, whether it's gas or electric or what have you. You know, you're monitoring how many pizzas are being produced and how long it takes to get that temperature up to up to its set point and how efficient it is and all those sorts of things. And if you're continuously feeding that data 
okay. you know, to a server. And imagine we're not talking about one pizza oven, but a thousand pizza ovens. Yeah. Yeah. Now, suddenly you've got a lot of data mm. that you can apply, you know, machine learning and auto, mm. you know, an AI type technology to, to utilize your energy more efficiently to make your pizza better because you're ultimately going to feed back parameters yeah. to help control it more evenly. Mm. Um, and it just you have so many more benefits than just making a pizza that's really good locally. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Good one. I, I, I love the example check. And uh, this uh, uh, with, with that, let's move to the next question. And uh, I'm also curious sure. about the uh, current trends in the automation industry and especially the impact of uh, AI and ML on this automation domain overall. Right. And that's, and that's really, in some ways, is what I just talked about, right? We take machines that have been islands on their own traditionally, Mm. And now we connect them to servers and or the internet, right? Or to the cloud, if you will. We start gathering data or having those machines push key data up to the cloud. Mm. Um, and now we've got all this data that we can somehow need to utilize, right? Um, to, to, to make improvements, whether it's improvement in energy usage, improvement, you know, lowering costs because of energy and other reasons, improving quality, whatever the case may be. And that's all areas where you know, AI and machine learning are going to come into play. And then some of the things that are, some of the things that are being wrestled with today are how much of the of that sort of analysis and technology are we going to embed in the plant or in the machine itself? And how much are we going to leave for the cloud to do? Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. So do we really need every little bit of data? Do we need the temperature of the pizza oven every 10 milliseconds mm -hmm. to have the data we need to analyze? No. Is yeah. there some analysis that could be done even locally on the at the local facility? Maybe. So th those are the sort of things that are being wrestled with today. How do we manage the data that we're gathering mm -hmm. and how much data is too much and, and where do mm -hmm. we analyze it? On the machine, in the cloud or both or et cetera? Yeah, yeah it, it makes sense because when uh, we are bombarded with too much of information also, we'll be confused in terms of which data set to uh, leverage, right? So it, it makes sense. And Exactly. Uh, we can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So check. I loved that. The conversation so far. Let's add some spice to the episode. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kick off, kick off a quick rapid fire round with your consent. If you are okay, let's get sure. started. All right. So I'm going okay. to <laughs> I'm going to ask a few interesting questions and where you can answer them crisply, like a one word or a maximum one phrase kind of thing. And let me okay. try the first bullet. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Ooh. <laughs> um how about relax we all need to work hard but we need to relax too so relax <laughs> i i love it <laughs> we if we forget to relax <laughs> always in the rat race all right yeah i think that's a powerful message that's i right. say and if you're given unlimited funding to work on a project right what would that be mm -hmm. oh unlimited funding yeah um well, I would say we sometimes get involved at least a little bit in projects where they automate things for sports fields. Yeah. Um, for instance, and I'm not talking about the the lights and the gates, but for I'm a big fan of American football. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they we have an application where they actually move the field in or out. They 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 move the field outdoors so the natural grass can grow and then they bring it in for the games to the indoor facility for the games. 
I would love to work on an automation project with scientists and things where we automated the process of growing grass indoors without having to move it outside to get sun and stuff. That would be cool because there's a lot of uh, athletes that get injured on artificial surfaces and eliminating those would be great. But we need mm. to automate that process to grow that grass indoors. Yeah, I think it comes with the purpose and uh, I, I loved it. Good one. And uh, Can you describe yourself in just one word, Chuck? Um, competitive. competitive. Let's say competitive. If you if you if you come to my house for game night, you better be ready to compete because I want to win. <laughs> All right, I'll 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 test my luck <laughs> when I visit. There you go. The states next time. <laughs> Moving to the next one. Uh, what is the weirdest thing that you have ever eaten? Hmm, eaten. You know, yeah. I've traveled a lot of different places, including India. Mm -hmm. And enjoyed my time there. I'm a little bit, I'm not a picky eater, but I'm yeah. not an adventurous eater. Mm -hmm. um, at some point in my career, I think I had chocolate covered ants or something oh. or chocolate covered insects. Mm. And I ate them and I thought to myself, who thought of the idea to pour chocolate on an insect? That didn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving to the next one. In but if I had to eat an insect, I'd want to eat a chocolate covered in insect. <laughs> good one i think it's a fantastic idea if somebody <laughs> throws it up as a challenge during truth or dare kind of things i think it, this comes handy this is a good trick <laughs> there you go yeah here comes my next one uh between invisibility versus super strength which one would you choose and what would you do first mm. invisibility or super strength yeah i would say invisibility Mm -hmm. that which would allow me to kind of get into places without people knowing I'm there. And yeah. it would be what I would do because I'm a sports lover um, <laughs> is I would go to some big sporting event that I've never been to before that I could never get tickets mm -hmm. for. And I would mm -hmm. just sneak in <laughs> like, like this week, there's the masters golf tournament. Uh -huh. um, as we tape this, and uh -huh. I would sneak into the Masters and watch the tournament. <laughs> Good one. And here comes the last one for Rapid Fire. What is one electronic gadget that you'd like to see or invent yourself? Um, like a lot of people, I get frustrated when I don't have internet access suddenly, you know, mm -hmm. whether I'm in a tunnel or wherever I am and I don't have internet access. So some sort of gadget that mm -hmm. would allow me to get uh, high-speed internet access no matter where I am. A chip would be better because they could embed it in the phone. So if I'm in a tunnel or underwater or wherever I am, I want to have high-speed internet. That's the gadget I want. <laughs> so uh, one caveat with that is like people are at least nowadays spending time, a little bit of time talking to others. In case if yeah. unlimited internet is given, I think they'll that never would... look at... <laughs> From a society standpoint, that would be a really bad idea. Our personal our personal skills would go even further in the dirt. But maybe yeah. I could make that gadget only for me. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Good one. I, I love the rapid fire. With that, let's switch back to the mainstream. And uh, here comes my next one. What will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to grow big in their careers? Sure. Um, I think when we focus on our careers, sometimes we focus too much on the monetary side of things. Mm -hmm. I think what we need to do is we need to look at ourselves honestly and figure out what we and, and think about what we do well. God gave us talents, individual talents, all of us. So find out what you do well, find out what you're passionate about, and then find a career where 
what you do well is valued, right? And if you're passionate and you and you're taking advantage of a natural ability that you have, and the industry you're in values that, yeah. then you'll never feel like you're working hard because you love what you're doing, mm. and people will value what you're doing because you know you chose a field in which what you do well is valued. So that would be my advice. And mm. in the end, if you do that. Mm. You're going to be rewarded intrinsically mm-hmm. with a happy work life, yeah. which is important for all of us. We may not get the money we want, mm. but intrinsically we'll be have a happy work life. Awesome. Great advice and so powerful as well. So folks, I hope um, you made a note. Just don't think, uh, don't chase money alone. You have to find out what we do well, what we are passionate about. And uh, we have to do it so well that it has to be valued. I think such a powerful right. message. And check how has been your experience being hosted on the Guiding Voice, talking to me, and please share candid feedback. <laughs> it's been a lot. It's it's been a lot of fun, um, and I really enjoy kind of sharing my experience with people and telling a couple stories. And you had great questions. I love your questions. All right, thank you so much, and thank you for your time and all the insights that you have shared. Really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to speak to you again on any other topic. And uh, thanks, uh, Marcy, for for coordinating this. See you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to host you. So, friends, that was our episode with uh, Chuck Ridgeway on how automation is shaping the industry, the evolution of automation, and many other crucial topics. So, before we move into the trigger section, here is a request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app wherever you have tuned in from. Also, if you have loved this episode and found the conversation useful, request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from our platform, The Guiding Voice. And one another important notice, The Guiding Voice is also available in two other Indian languages, in Hindi and Telugu. In case if you understand Telugu and Hindi, just search for The Guiding Voice, TGV. Hindi or TGV Telugu on any podcasting platform, including YouTube. All right. So thank you so much in advance. Now let's hop into the trivia segment of today's episode. So today I was uh, researching about automation and I found an interesting automation since we spoke to uh, check on how Horner automation is actually transforming the industry. I thought I would present you with an interesting automation technique. There's a type of automation named after Detroit and it is called Detroit automation and it consists of moving parts from one machine to another while automatic adjustments are made to the positioning of the tools that shape them. For example, when a block of wood goes into the end of one machine and a finished wooden doll comes out of the another machine. Sounds interesting, isn't it? So what, which type of interesting automation have you come across? And if so, please Share with me on social media or if you are watching this episode on YouTube, feel free to comment. That's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning. And uh, do not forget to share your topic recommendations and guest speaker suggestions through social media or email me at theguidingvoiceforyou at gmail.com. I'm your host, Navin Samala, just a fellow professional and a passionate learner on a mission to make the world a better place to live through conversations that matter and conversations that add value to life and to your career. Until next time, bye-bye. Signing off for this episode.